As with every episode of Storytellers, this episode may contain themes, storylines, or ideas that may not be safe for work. Headphones recommended, and listener discretion is greatly advised. This call's being recorded now. I can't tell you what I was saying before. Dude, we were talking about me and my problems. So, yeah. Welcome to Storytellers. I'm Derek. The goal of this show is to show you that anyone can tell a story. And today I am joined by four storytellers. One who's been here before. One who's a legitimate storyteller. One who is an absolute production god and Amanda. No, I'm just kidding. Because Amanda actually came through with the cleanup batting for this episode that is going to knock y'all socks off. Like, I am so proud. The last time I had somebody on, like Amanda, who was a neophyte in the world of storytelling, they came out and told an amazing story as well. And so I am thrilled to say it's happened twice. Um, it was was so it great. the the zombies the and the police? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Rachel had never told a story before. She thought she was going to do horrible at it, and she set the trend. Like, she literally broke the mold. And that when I say Amanda... Hmm? That was a great episode. It was. Like, it was they, so cool. They... Oh, my gosh. Just having the opportunity to have Emily on, and then Rachel. Like, those two back-to-back was just, like, magic. And then uh, it just went completely... It. it heart palpitating just thinking about it um Mm -hmm. so let me tell the world how storytellers works if you're listening to the show i greatly appreciate it thank you so much the way storytellers works is this i gather three to four people this time i gathered four people which means i won't have a segment in this story um those four people i randomly select who's going to go first second third and fourth um and then the first person i give them three cards And the three cards uh, are a noun, a person, a describer of a person, and then two descriptors of things that are going on. Um, And from those three things, they have to create a story. From those three things, they create a five to seven minute segment, a beginning of a story uh, that they cannot end or bring to a climax. And then they will send that off to the next person in line who will continue the story. Uh, As they continue the story, which will also be five to seven minutes, they will send me their segment and I will send the second person's segment to the third person. Uh, The third person will continue the story and bring it to a climax. uh, And then they will send their segment to me and I will send that climax segment back to the fourth person who will end the story. The fourth person never gets to hear the first or second part, like the entire first half of the story and they never get to hear it. The person who began the story never gets to hear the end of the story. Um, 
And so we then gather in a Zoom meeting and sit down and listen to the story from beginning to end. And everybody gets to hear the magic. Everybody gets to receive kudos on their great works. And everybody gets to tell me exactly what the fuck you were thinking when you came up with this segment. Of course, cursing is allowed. It's encouraged in this show because why the fuck not? Um, and we usually end off with a story that is completely different from the way it began to the way it ended. Mm -hmm. um, with that said, I will say that the order of this episode was Elizabeth went first. Uh, and then Stu went second. And then Paisley uh, was the one who brought it to a climax. And then A.B. was the one who closed out the story. Um, so the three cards that were utilized in this segment, in this story were invitation from a stranger, a box of hair and nudist. So knowing that those three things were the, uh, storyline cards that were utilized. Um, and I already know how things turned out. Amanda. Yes. Uh, how many of those three things carried over to the end of the story? Nudist, Invitation from a Stranger, and Box of Hair. Oh, just the pubic hair. <laughs> <sighs> I just want to say, again, it was supposed to be Box of Hair. It became pubic hair, thanks to Elizabeth. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad that it ended up being pubic hair. But I wasn't the one who asked for it to be pubic hair. I that was, was Elizabeth. <laughs> that was fully Elizabeth. And after we listen to Elizabeth's segment of this story, uh, I'll definitely have questions regarding said pubic hair. But with no further ado, let's go ahead and get to part one of this story, which is, again, done by Elizabeth. Let's travel back to a time before the dawn of MTV when in almost any suburban New England neighborhood, a person could wander behind the houses, past the backyards, and find whole swaths of undeveloped land. Meadows, woods, flowered dappled clearings, and lady slippers were all in abundance. In shady spots, gypsy moss liberally carpeted the ground. Behind Emma's house was just such a magical space. She'd taken to seeking refuge here, behind her neighborhood, to escape the jeers and taunts of her 10th grade classmates in the provincial high school where she had the recent misfortune to be the new kid. To be clear, anyone whose grandparents hadn't grown up in this town was branded as new. Emma didn't know, when she started the school, that raising your hand enthusiastically upon being asked if you knew the vocabulary of words for the day, or if you'd heard of the author that was the assigned reading, or if you displayed any interest in your studies whatsoever, would get you branded as that most offensive of all things, a brain. She had to find out the hard way, and soon her days at school became torturous. Her classmates deemed her to be socially leprous, and there was not she could do to remedy this dire state of affairs. Being a sensible girl, she soon determined to avoid school as much as possible. She discovered the clearing behind her backyard, 
while taking the long walks that had become necessary to preserve her sanity. She started spending most school days here with her lunch and some favorite books, which currently included the collected short stories of O. Henry. It was an easy matter to slip out the back door, as though she were headed to school, and make her way instead to the meadow and the clearing. She liked to spread out a blanket on the grass and lie in the sun, reading. After a time, she took to removing her clothes to bask naked in the warmth. Was she a nudist? The notion hadn't formed into a clear ideology, but she did feel free and soothed, basking naked in the sun. One day, Emma was surprised by a young woman in a brown robe who emerged from a copse of trees bordering the spot. She held out her hand to Emma, saying, Come with me. Let me get dressed first, Emma said. You're dressed perfectly now. But I'm naked. We call it sky-clad. Come quickly. The ceremony is about to begin. Intrigued and figuring she had nothing to lose, Emma followed the young woman through the trees to find another clearing, where eleven people were standing nude in a circle around a large stone altar. Good, Elspeth. You've brought us our thirteenth, an older woman called. As Elspeth joined the circle, dropping her robe on the ground behind her. And might she be a virgin? asked an older bearded man, not uncreepily. Simmer down, Corbin, warned the older woman. Emma watched with interest as that same woman called the quarters, starting with the east. Hail, guardians of the watchtowers of the east, powers of air, we invoke you and call you. She made her way through the remaining three directions till she was back where she started. Corbin then went around the outer periphery of the circle with salt. The older woman, clearly the officiant, took her position at the altar lit incense and candles, then intoned, The circle is cast. The fire is lit. The ritual has begun. The ritual has begun, echoed all but Emma, who watched with growing unease as a woman unwrapped a fabric-wrapped silver dagger and slowly drew it through a flame of a tall black candle before commanding, Elspeth, bring me the virgin. Oh, hell no, thought Emma bending and grabbing Elspeth's robe from where it lay on the ground next to her. She started running, pulling on the robe as she ran. She'd read enough to know that witches are loath to break a cast circle. This would buy her a little time. As she ran back through the trees, she felt something in the pocket of the robe. It was a small obsidian box. Emma prized open the lid and exclaimed, What the fuck? The box was filled with pubic hair. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, As so one she, does. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, okay, so, Elizabeth. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, what exactly were you thinking when you came up with this? Which, honestly, I loved it. I thought it was the perfect, perfect intro to this story. But what were you thinking? Thank you so much. Well, the first thing I was thinking is I don't have any time because initially I think 
you wanted it by noon Monday, and I mm-hmm. found that out Sunday night. So that's the first thing I was thinking. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when I had an extra day, I really just opened up my laptop and started writing. And, and I mean, I am a writer. I'm an editor and a writer. I have my own literary journal. So like, if I can't write a story, then that would be an unfortunate state of affairs. <laughs> but um, the advice that's often given to writers is write what you knew. Well, you know, guess who grew up in New England and guess who knows what a close knit community where if you move there and generations of your family haven't been there, you're new no matter what. So I knew these situations. I also did like to wander back because there's all there's undeveloped spaces behind neighborhoods that don't mm-hmm. exist so much anymore, but there were. You could like wander through your backyard behind your neighborhood and it's like holy shit there's like woods here and all kinds of stuff so i enjoyed doing that i did not strip naked but i was gonna ask because (laughs) when you said the thing do 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 stories about things you know i was like holy shit elizabeth was a nudist million questions but also at 15 like oh my god that's like yeah and what would have given my parents heart attacks like what the fuck what's what the fuck's up with corbin like yo corbin Close your fucking Chill. eyes, dog. Like <laughs> she's a sophomore in high school. Right. Stop it. Is she a virgin? You know what, Corbin? <laughs> Let's have this talk, okay? You, me, these three other big ass dudes. We're gonna go behind this tree real quick. Y'all continue the ceremony. We're gonna talk to Corbin real quick because this ain't happening. This isn't gonna become a continuing issue, Corbin. Close your fucking eyes, Corbin. Stop looking at the kid, Corbin. Let's go talk. Okay, so that was another. Yeah, thank you. I like that talk. That needs to happen. That needs to happen often. So that that was another autobiographical thing. Is unfortunately, um, older guys are really really creepy to fifteen year old girls. So I knew firsthand what it's like to have like dudes. In, I don't know, when I was 15, old was like, you know, 35 and up. Mm-hmm. So, but like dudes that age being like, hey, baby. I'm like, what? What? I just grew these boobs. I'm glad you like them, but they're brand new. Like, give me a minute. Let me take them out the cellophane, homie. Like, yeah. Um, me personally, not a lady, cis male. And yet I still know motherfuckers who in the barbershop. You bring your daughter around them in the barber shop. Creepy. Like the age of five, these motherfuckers are like, oh, I can't wait till she turns 18. Okay, look, motherfucker, what we're going to do is <laughs> we're going to go outside and talk, and I'm going to bring my, I'm going to call my brother to come and talk too, and yeah. we're going to dead this right now because be the whole, talk. ooh, she's going to be beautiful when she's 19. The fuck are you talking about, dude? The fuck yeah. are you talking about? Stop it. Stop yep. it. Stop it. Bad. Totally. You stop right now. You get the fuck out of my face. But yes, I'm, I'm glad you wrote him in there because there always seems to be that one motherfucker who is more than willing to fuck it up for everybody else because they can't stop their own nasty ass desires. Like, right? look, Corbin. Ugh. I mean, I, I actually can't even conceive of being sexually attracted to a kid. I, I have three because kids. Because they're fucking stupid. I don't, I don't, I can't even conceive of it. Like it doesn't, it's, 
it's I, beyond the pale to me. Being being the father of two girls and two boys, I can tell you right now, kids are fucking myopic as shit. They are stupid. And um, they're not stupid. I don't mean they're stupid. I mean they the are. things that they are interested in have nothing to do with what you're interested in. And look, guys, okay, so let's have this talk. Ladies, earmuffs. So, guys, look, I know that at a certain age, you feel like the women around you may not do it for you anymore. But what you're not going to do is go out and ruin a young kid's world to satisfy your own nasty ass needs and desires. Okay. What you're not going to do is ruin somebody else's future because you want to embrace your past. Okay. We're not looking for sugar daddies in this world anymore. Nobody wants you, dog, except for the folks (laughs) your own goddamn age. Stick to yourself. If you can't, Control yourself around people who are half your age and below. What I'm going to need you to do is just lock yourself in your room and just get acquainted with lotion. Like, stop ruining these women's days just to satisfy your own stupid-ass desires and needs. It doesn't work for anybody but you. You fucking nasty-ass, unnecessary-ass pervert. Welcome to Storytellers. I'm Derek. And yeah, no, I, I liked that diatribe. <laughs> I think that was necessary. So that's where that came from. And what you had other questions about what what the fuck? What the was fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Like so, um, the music. I've talked to you about this, but the music, uh-huh. like it, really set the stage and the standard for. You know what? I am over talking, and that's a problem I have because I do Ratchet Book Club where it's just myself. Amanda, sure. you finished off this story. You never got a chance to hear the beginning of the story. No, what I do you not. think? I thought Corbin was an alien. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I had to kill him off because I was like, who is that? <gasps> but good. now like, I got to break in here and just say, I work with someone named Corbin, and this is cracking me up. <laughs> What is, but he's an me. he's an incredibly sweet person. <laughs> Nothing like the Corbin in the story. She has to say that just in case HR Not ever gets creepy. a hold of the <laughs> What are Not the creepy, odds? Very sweet. Actually, yeah, he's one of my the only person friends. with that name I've ever met. <laughs> one of my closest friends. His name is Corbin. Mm. But he's wow. out in Mississippi, and he would fuck somebody up. If they were like this, Corbin, because they'd be giving him a bad name. Also, Amanda, spoilers. I'm s- <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm sorry. Can bleep okay. it out later, right? But knowing now how that. the story began, what are your thoughts on how the story ended? Without any spoilers, do you think that the beginning of the story and the end of the story, do you think it flowed all the way through? Uh, I don't know. Yes, no. <laughs> in a way. Kind of. In a way. Maybe. 76% is still a passing grade. We're going <laughs> to say. I live my life at 76%. Okay. I think everyone should live their life at 76% because to give yourself 100% to your work job is just fucking stupid. Um, with that next Bible verse said, let's go ahead and go to uh, <laughs> Stu, who was the second person who uh, did this story. Stu, um, you know what? 
let's go ahead and hear your segment and then we'll get back to the questions. So with no further ado, here's part two brought by Stu. (laughs) (laughs) Emma did not like carrying the black box around with her, but she liked the idea of leaving it at home with her parents even less. What if they found it? They could have been doing something as innocuous as putting away laundry when they came across it, and then she would have to spend all night explaining why she had a container full of pubic hair. Or what if the weird people she had fled could sense it somehow? Leaving it at home would put her family in danger. They would have no idea why a dozen strangers approached them, seeking a strange cube that they knew nothing about. And what would those people do to her parents to get it back? Possibly more than Emma could even dare imagine. So as she got off her school bus and made her way to the one place she had spent so much time the past few months shunning, she had brought it with her, tucked away at the bottom of her book bag. What else could she do? The school had a library. At least she might be able to find some answers there. But answers to what? Surely if her public school library had a book about boxes full of pubes, the other kids would have been mocking it furiously all year. Her idiot classmates did not seem renowned for their subtle wit and deep sense of humor. Still, the anticipation of finding some information, any information, was all that was driving Emma at that point. It was easy to stay awake the previous night when she could only sit stiffly on the edge of her bed and rush to the side of her bedroom window at any noise outside her house. The terror of thinking Elsbeth and the others could come back whenever they wanted was enough to keep her up all night, but by the time she had made it to home room, the lack of sleep had started gnawing at her. As the rest of Mrs. Patino's 10th grade morning class buzzed about in conversation, Emma sat with her head down, feeling even more like an outcast than usual. She tried to rest quietly on her backpack, but all she could focus on were the hard corners of the box within, even as she tried covering them over with her textbooks. She knew she just needed to get to her fifth period study hall so she could rush off to the library and look for answers. First period geometry went by without a hitch, even though Emma was quite groggy by then and not at all concerned with the day's theorems or problems. Miss Alessio seemed to look to her first for the questions that she raised to the class, but Emma had no time to play Brainiac and so refused to meet her eyes. She just wanted to shift silently into the background of the day. The bell rang out the end of the period, just three classes to go until study hall. In second period chemistry, her weariness finally caught up with her, and she set her head down on her desk. Not with any designs on falling asleep in class or anything, she just needed to rest her eyes and quit worrying. Just for a few minutes. She thought back to Elsbeth and the eleven others standing naked in a circle. In her tired mind, she could hear them chanting, but the words were unintelligible to her. The old bearded man that Elsbeth had called Corbin held aloft a raccoon, and the rest of the group seemed to celebrate it, to revere it. Their chanting grew more fervent. The poor creature looked up to the moon, then out across the coven. As the raccoon glanced at each one of them, that person would yell out, It's not me, O Lord! and fall to the ground. After that had happened seven times, the raccoon seemed to find Emma's eyes and lock onto them with its own. They glowed a deep purple as they stared into hers. The chanting stopped right then. They all turned as if they could see Emma in the mere act of thinking of them. Elsbeth stepped forward from the gathering and seemed to be approaching her somehow. The raccoon's violet eyes kept Emma frozen in place. Oh, darling Emma, Elsbeth purred. You should not have dreamed. 
Emma screamed and recoiled, knocking herself from the chair in Mr. Hughes's class into the tile floor. The class erupted in laughter as she lay there. Jeremy Fine tore his feet away from her as if she had been contagious. Someone to their left called out, Watch out, Jeremy! She wants to smell your feet! Emma, I can't even express how happy I am that you barely ever show up to my class these days, and when you do, you must think it's nap time. Mr. Horrell, I... I imagine you think that because of your grades, I can't fail you. Well, I'm afraid you won't like the results if you push to find out. No, I don't. He cut her off again. Your grades are the only reason I was willing to look past your attendance as of late. But sleeping in, and disturbing, my class is something else altogether. Come up to my desk, please. The class all made a teasing, ooh, sound at his words. Emma wanted to continue trying to argue, but it all seemed so pointless. She grabbed her backpack and approached him. As she made it to the front of the mall, he handed her a slip he had just written up. Take this to the office, Emma. You need to pull yourself together, young lady. Emma had barely managed a, yes, sir, as she took the paper from him and left. In the hallway, she got only a few steps out the door when inspiration struck. She could go to the library now. You know on her way to the principal's office, and maybe she could finally get the answer she needed before it was too late. Stu? My guy? I hated that the second after I sent it to you. <laughs> Stu, my guy? I sent it to you and immediately was like, I accomplished nothing. I, I talked for five minutes and I did not advance the story at all. You advanced the story perfectly, actually. That's what I was going to say. Stu, my guy, <laughs> my dude, I thought it was brilliant. Elizabeth, this was the first time you've heard this because you went first. Elizabeth is an editor and a, a writer. Elizabeth, what did you think? Loved it. Loved it. It's, uh, everything I could have hoped would have happened in developing these characters and furthering the action. And I, I love to think of that little black box just tucked away behind some book in the library and the unsuspecting bloke who comes across it. I mean, it just opens up such a realm of possibilities. And speaking of what the fuck moments, um, that violet-eyed raccoon... <laughs> that raccoon changed to like three different animals and I don't know why I was so obsessed it started off as a possum then it was a rat and I was like no it's a raccoon I don't know why I not me that. lord <laughs> I know not me lord oh, I can't wait until the next time my wife looks at me like <laughs> literally just looks at me I'm gonna fall the fuck out not me lord <laughs> and then I will never be allowed back in the movie theater it'll be a time <laughs> Stu, honestly, I thought it was perfect, but it's not important what I think. What were you thinking? I just, I was trying to, to, to move things along. I wanted to keep as many details of Elizabeth's story as I could because I, I didn't want to just be like, I'm just going to introduce a bunch of my own shit. Like I wanted to keep as much of hers as I wanted. And the one thing... I could not organically find a way to include, and I, I was so worried it was going to get lost in the next two, was the story is set in presumably the 60s or 70s, because she said pre-MTV era. Because the first thing I thought was like, Emma needs to look up what the hell's going on here, but Emma ain't got no internet. 
Mm. So <laughs> she's got to go to the library at school, I figured. And sure. I could not find a way to organically let Paisley know, like, hey, the internet doesn't exist. This is like, this is pre-MTV. So if she comes up and is like, and then Emma went on a computer, I'd be like, yeah, that's my fault. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't keep that going. But I tried to get everything else. I mentioned Corbin. I mentioned the, that were third or, you know, Emma would have been the 13th person in the group. I was trying to convey as much information to keep everything coherent as possible. I'm, I'm just literally... I was stunned at how well everything flowed together from Elizabeth's story to your story. Um, you made it effortless. Like it, it, it really worked for me. Um, also, my problem was I didn't. It's it's just a bridge. Like the Elizabeth story ends with there are witches in a box full of pubes. And my story ends with the exact same thing. Like, I felt like I added nothing. Like, I just did a bridge to get to Paisley to to let her add whatever she Like, you have the most difficult part of the story, honestly, because you have to continue the story without bringing it to a climax or without ending it. So, really, your part is, in essence, only a bridge. Yeah. And you did a wonderful job with it. When you think of it in that regard, do you feel differently about what you were able to accomplish? Like... Yeah, I mean, I I accomplished what I set out to, but as soon as I sent it to you, I was just like, I didn't do anything. (laughs) Like, I just just made sure Paisley got the information that Elizabeth gave me and changed the setting. That's all I did. But I mean, I I, I took a whole bunch of notes from Elizabeth whenever I read it, (laughs) and I got in as much information as I wanted, or as I could. I left out the O. Henry books, and the I really wanted to work in the sky clad, because I thought that was a fantastic terminology for the people being naked but mm-hmm. i just i couldn't organ it's the same thing with the pre-mtv era i just couldn't organically fit it in oh yeah so amanda again you being the last person in this story what are your thoughts thus far i feel much better about it <laughs> <laughs> i'm like I'm, I'm i did great <laughs> Uh, and Paisley, you heard this part of the story, but now hearing the entire first half of the story, what are your thoughts so far? Oh my gosh. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I know, don't want to spoil my part, but uh, yeah, I would not have imagined it quite starting like it did, but now that I hear them both together, it does seem like a very organic continuation of Mm -hmm. the beginning of the story. And I can only apologize for my part. (laughs) (laughs) I let my husband listen to Paisley's part and he was like, what the fuck are you supposed to do with that? And I was like, we're going to see her. (laughs) I am excited for y'all to hear Paisley's part. Honestly. Um, but that's because I know where everything goes. So <laughs> with no further, and because Paisley's part is dope on its own, but <laughs> with no further ado, let's go ahead and get to part three, Paisley's part of the story. Emma paused in front of the library doors. She drew the cube from her backpack, turning it over in her hands, admiring the intricate artistry on each panel. Strange, she thought to herself. She hadn't remembered seeing them until this moment, faint as they were. Why don't they smell worse, she wondered, musing the disturbingly large quantity of pubic hairs she knew lay inside. I mean, it can't seriously be. 
This is stupid. This is literally ridiculous, Emma thought to herself. Just my luck. I get the stupidest hero's quest ever, she thought to herself. I need to get rid of this thing safely. And yesterday. I mean, if all this... All this has been over some freaking pubic hairs. Or whatever kind of thing a bunch of naked weirdos who appear randomly in your backyard at night are into. Except that they were reaching directly into her mind through her dreams, weren't they? It's not nothing. I have to get to the bottom of this. She stuffed the burdensome thing back into her backpack and entered the library. Em corrected the librarian before Emma could march through the carousel. She turned back towards the desk. Sorry, here's my hall pass from Mr. Hughes. Emma presented the laminated, color-coded hall pass per school policy. Thank you. What can I help you find? Um, uh, actually... Emma sighed heavily, fanning shyness while she choked down embarrassment at what she was about to ask. I need to find something about, um, growing up stuff. The library looked her up and down coolly. Growing up stuff? Yeah, you know, like, puberty stuff? For Mr. Hughes's 10th grade chemistry class? The librarian asked, incredulous. Emma stared at her feet, genuinely horrified. She desperately racked her brains to come up with a good pack story to support the validity of her laminated color-coded hall pass and balance that with the need to get real answers to a very real, absolutely insane problem. Emma realized she had no choice but to embarrass herself. I'm not, um, I think I'm not. She raised her hand in floating quotations. I'm not maturing? At the same speed as other girls, I think. I started crying in class. It just sort of hit me. Emma tried her best to sound emotional. The sleep deprivation alone was enough to make her cry. The librarian, unconvinced, held her gaze a few moments before caving and jotting down a few dewy decimal numbers for Emma to track down and recommending a few titles. Thank you, Emma began to turn away. She paused. Um, also, do you have any books about witchcraft or cults or something? The librarian was really giving her a look now. Nevertheless, she quietly jotted down a range of numbers for Emma to search for. Would you like help finding the books? Thank you, ma'am. I know how to find them. You've been very helpful. If you need anything, let me know. Emma could feel the librarian's eyes burning the back of her head as she sought the row where the metaphysics books were located. Emma carried an armload of volumes over to the table and started flipping to the index. I mean, yes, this is a public high school library in America. But of course, it's exactly where one would expect to find a thorough explanation of the incredibly complex and confounding mystery behind the ridiculous-looking, yet life-altering box of fucking pubic hairs. A mystery that Emma soon would unravel. She had to. Lives were depending on it. But to Emma's dismay, she could find nothing. Irritated and feeling more than just a little bit defeated, Emma glared down at the books left around the gap she created on the shelves. Then it caught her eye. 
Maybe. I mean, why not, she thought to herself. It's no crazier than witches or a cult. Emma dutifully gathered the stack of Wiccan books and slid them into the book return before returning to the stacks. She pulled a fat volume entitled The Encyclopedia of Extraterrestrials from the Shelf. Emma completely lost track of time as she pored over page after page. Overwhelmed by a lack of sleep, Emma's eyelids began to droop and she nodded off. Emma suddenly found herself gazing deep into two violet orbs of light as she focused beyond the vaguely raccoon-shaped device that was hovering, thrust in her face, at the long fingers grasping it, and the slender arm that stretched away beyond the device and the svelte creature to which it was attached. Emma gasped. Behind the slender, iridescent, mutated version of Corbin that stared down at her stood Elspeth and the other ten. But now they were taller, vaguer, and more shimmering than they had appeared outside her window when all this insanity had started. Elspeth smirked knowingly at Emma and returned to the circle as Corbin held the dreaming Emma enthralled with his raccoon-shaped device. It had all been a dream, Emma realized, or a hallucination. Corbin aimed the violet glow at the chanting circle of whatever they were. As the device's violet gaze rested on each figure, they once again burst out in cries of, It's not me, Lord! before collapsing to the ground, one after the next. And then the old man slowly turned towards Emma, bathing her in the violet glow. It's me, O Lord, Emma muttered herself awake loudly. To her horror, Emma had nodded off for much longer than she had realized. She jolted like a marionette, yanked to life as a great eldritch roar emanated from the middle of the library, sending out a violet plasma shockwave. All at once, the cube shot up out of her partially open backpack, hung in the air, the intricate patterns glowing with light unbearable to Emma's eyes, then exploded in the air, laying flat the cheap yet sturdy metal bookshelf surrounding her. There, swirling in midair, a raging cloud of pubic hair spun with the ferocity of a hurricane, each repulsive strand wavering and elongating in midair, stretching out into oily, airborne eels that began to weave themselves into an enormous, swirling vortex of a form that looked not unlike a giant raccoon. It was just at this moment that the principal burst into the library, mouth agape. He stared at the swirling vortex, the enormous creature. He began to scream and gesture for Emma to run, but his cries only caused the eels to swirl faster and more angrily on the air. The principal's screams were lost in the cacophony of electric noise that filled the library. And then, suddenly... Yeah, that's it! <laughs> I could have read that. I could have read that too, y'all. I listened to that so many times. <laughs> so, what I never needed to hear in my, what I never, ever, ever, ever need to have absorbed into my mind, into my brain, where it will just sit and fester, is oily strands of pubic hair. <laughs> I've already <laughs> been mesmerized with the thought of a box of pubic hair being in somebody's backpack for all this time in the 60s, where I just believe the unwashed masses of human asses just shaved their nasty pubic hair. So to hear it described as 
oily and <laughs> but I digress. Paisley, I thought it was fucking perfect. I want to know what you were thinking. <laughs> um, I was. Yes, thinking- I would like to also know what you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm very curious. So good. <laughs> well, I was thinking I've got seven minutes to get this from a person sitting in a classroom getting in trouble and going to the principal's office to a climax for the story. Mm-hmm. Well, you did that. <laughs> and I also just was like, dude, pubic hair is really Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a feeling that was Elizabeth's contribution <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, you know what? I, I really don't want to deal with the whole pubic hair thing. So what can I do to make them not that? Um, <laughs> so I guess my mind uh, sort of first went to Hellraiser. With the <laughs> You know nice. what? Which then brought me to Aliens, then brought me to Jeff Vandermeer's works. And I thought, okay, maybe the pubic hairs aren't pubic hairs. Maybe they're like building blocks of some sort of alien biotech. So we're going to go with that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, it was kind of genius. Oh, I think so, too. Kind of genius. <laughs> I was so embarrassed to send that on. You know what? This is the greatest story about pubic hair that I've ever experienced. (laughs) Um, Are you going to title this box of pubic hair? Nope. Now I'm so curious. (laughs) Nope. Nope. I thought about that, but it was, I I don't think Apple would like me uh, putting a show out there called pubic hair. So I do, you know what? When the cube floated out of the out of the backpack and just shimmered in midair. I was like, what the fuck? And <laughs> that's um, the title. It might be. It, it might what be the what fuck? the actual fuck. Um, <laughs> I thought that this was lovely. Um and and I say that without hyperbole. Like I thought and especially when you just said Hellraiser, I immediately remembered the two times that I watched Hellraiser and the box. The, the box. Yeah, the box. The puzzle box. Exactly. And yeah. then it really clicked for me. Like, I thought that was spectacular. I did. <laughs> I'll be completely honest with you. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it and didn't like block me in horror. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't block people until <laughs> after I put out the episode. Then everybody understands why I did it. <laughs> and then I'm going to be down to zero followers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Elizabeth? Yes. I loved it. I, I, this 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 is being developed in um, ways I could barely even dream of. <clears throat> and I thought Stu. it was great. Uh, I'm Excuse very me. excited to see that my throwaway raccoon creature has maintained relevance. <laughs> Not I me, know, Lord. I love that. <laughs> Do you know how I confusing should... the not me Lord was with nothing else? <laughs> <laughs> not but me. that's that's the storyteller or the uh, telephone aspect of this where something gets lost yeah. in the translation. And something is gained. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to, uh, you know, I never thought I'd say this again. I can't wait to go to church <laughs> and just stand up in the middle of the service and, not me, not Lord! Me, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and fall the fuck out! I can't wait! <laughs> While everybody else is praise dancing and shaking and shimmering and all the stuff they do, and I don't know if they do it in white churches. I know it's they only do it white in white church. churches. But you know what I'm talking about, right? I know. The shaking and shimmering yeah. and falling out and the speaking in tongues. And I'm going to stand up while everyone else is doing their jitterbug. Not and, me. Not me, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll wake up to somebody sprinkling blessing oil on my head. Mm-hmm. We thought you were a demon. We didn't know what was going on. <sighs> I love the alien element that got, like, how we went from witches <laughs> Because I was also, I, I'm, I was thinking of the time frame as more like late 70s. Okay. Not it's still pre-MTV. It yeah. is. Like, like by a few years. Mm-hmm. So Stu was just like, fuck it. That must be in the 60s. Like these young folks out <laughs> here, you know. <laughs> pre-MTV. Like, that has like, to be 1952. It's what sometime between like 1300 and 1980. Yeah. I don't know. You know, is it, is it World War II era? Who knows? You know, to be honest, you did give him a really big span of time. Like it's anywhere. Now that you mention that, it is anywhere between the beginning of time and 1982. So, <laughs> just you know, when can I come out, Dad? Uh, you know, I almost got microfiche involved in her research, <laughs> oh and I God. cut that part. Oh, and that would have been cool. Been I'm glad I didn't, though, because I had envisioned this being part of. Um, I, I didn't catch that the story was older, so I was thinking we were in the present age. The present yeah, age. that's what I said. Is I, I was going really to say something out. about the microfiche being online now. So I'm glad I, I am, had to get cut. That's for a time. that's a happy accident. I am. I, I yeah, would have been really excited to hear microfiche because for some reason, when I think of microfiche, I immediately think of Watergate. Like, oh, and and me personally, when I was growing up, before I found out how much they made, I really wanted to be involved in journalism. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. to write for a new. I wrote for newspapers all the way up through college, and then I found out how much. Like it isn't shit. Like you, you're gonna be broke for your whole life. This is the love of the game sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So whenever I think of microfiche, I immediately think of okay. If you're using microfiche, that means you really want to fucking research. Like that is just the deepest dive that you can get into. And all I think of is can't can't like the the sound with the microfiche that goes from one. <laughs> oh my god! Like the memories. Oh, it's so great. I I I understand why you didn't bring up microfiche, but it really would have just winter soldiered this whole story <laughs> into another level. Right. Amanda? I, I, aliens. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Paige. I, I interrupted. What what were you what were you saying? Oh, I just love that she took it to aliens. I love that she took it to Such Hellraiser. A, <laughs> I same. Such a twist. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> Just you wait. Oh, so gosh. two things before I before I bring Amanda into this. Amanda came to me and emailed me and said, I couldn't stop myself. I, I went for 15 minutes. Feel free to cut this where you want. And I, I, I said I, I 
cut it from like a half hour. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I just, wow. I just sat down and I just started typing and I just never stopped. And then I started reading it and I was like, holy shit, this is really long. So I was like, okay, scrap that. I'm just, I'm not even going to read what I typed. I'm just going to like sit down and just start talking. And I, it still was way too fucking long. And I was like, I'm sorry. You can just chop it wherever you need. And I listened to it and I was like, we're not changing the goddamn thing. <laughs> so I know I said that we usually get between five and seven minutes. I tried I my hardest. I did. But I also said, this is my motherfucking show. <laughs> and through that, yo, I'm not going to pump it up too much because there, there may be people. There's always somebody out there who doesn't to quote Peter Frampton feel the way I do. So I thought that Amanda's part needed to be heard in the total. And so Amanda, mm -hmm. with no further ado, let's get it. Let, let's, let's, let's do this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here's Amanda's part to end off this story. Emma, Emma, sweetie, can you hear me? I'm Dr. Jane Rosenberg, and I'll be your doctor this afternoon. How many fingers am I holding up? Four? Okay, good. Lean up for me. Okay, take a deep breath in. Now back out. One more deep breath in. And back out. You've been admitted to St. Paul's Drug Rehab Facility. Someone brought you in for an assumed drug overdose. You were inside of a public high school library, and talking about some pretty incredulous things. You were drifting in and out of consciousness, and in between your brief breaks of being conscious, there were talk about aliens and even pubic hairs. You weren't looking so hot when we fixed you up. Emma's jaw lay on the floor. What? I don't use drugs. I've never used drugs. I don't understand, Emma finally said, grasping what Dr. Rosenberg had just told her. This just didn't make sense. Dr. Rosenberg was leaned over Emma now, staring in her eyes with a bright light. She said, yes, sweetie, they found you standing inside of a high school library, like I said. You were actually three counties over from where you live, just staring blankly into the abyss. No, people are depending on me. I have to go. I have to finish my work. My research? Why can't I remember? Either way, the one thing I know for sure is that I have to go. I have to get out of here, Emma said, visibly shaken. I'm so sorry, hon. You, you can't just leave. We put you on an IV fluid drip, and we had to give you activated charcoal sublingually, which will absorb the drugs that you've taken and hopefully help prevent any drug poisonings or other damages or dangers from happening. Do you remember what you may have taken? We'll need a full list when you fill up to it. I don't understand. The cube. Who took the cube? I need that cube, Emma said, growing more frustrated with each passing minute. Just calm down, Emma, sweetie. Lay back down. Try to get some rest. We'll, we'll worry about the cube later. We'll find it. Dr. Rosenberg said this with a slight resistance in her voice that made Emma feel like she wasn't being taken seriously. Almost like something her mom would say just to shut her up. You're not listening to me. I have to go. I have to. You don't understand. Emma said this with a tone that was growing noticeably louder and noticeably more frustrated with each passing moment. They just didn't believe her. 
Just lay back down. We'll get you some dinner in here in just a few, if you think you could stomach to try to eat something right now. Dr. Rosenberg said this with a sigh of empathy in her voice. I'm not crazy, Emma thought. I'm definitely not on drugs. Why would they think I was on drugs? What drugs? Did I overdose on Midal? Wait, is that even possible? Emma wondered this to herself, perplexed by her surroundings, and even more so by the information that she was steadily trying to digest. Dr. Rosenberg nods in acceptance and closes the door behind her. I can hear them talking about me outside of my hospital room. They think I'm crazy. They think I've lost my mind and that I've made all of this up. Emma thought to herself as she tried to figure out a way to slip out of the hospital entirely without the nurses, doctors, or any other hospital staff noticing. This is probably the worst hallucination case I've ever come across in all of my 23 years of practice. She was going on and on about aliens, bright, illuminating lights, and she was pretty insistent about some naked skinny beings and a box. I wonder where she got the idea that she had a box full of pubic hair from. Who carries a box of pubic hairs around with them? Dr. Rosenberg said this to the hospital staff right outside the door, and Emma could feel her face growing beet red with more anger and frustration than even the humiliation she felt being talked about like this. Bitch, I can still hear you. My ears work fine, Emma thought to herself as she rolled her eyes, astounded that they truly believed that she could be making any of this up. But how do they know about any of that? I hadn't spoken a single word of this out loud. I don't think. Or did I? Emma thought, perplexed by the fact that she just couldn't seem to recall how she'd ended up here at all. I was in the school library. I know that much. I was reading up on... What was I reading up on? Emma thinking out loud to herself now as she slipped out of her hospital gown and back into the clothes she'd been wearing earlier that day. All she knew for certain is that she had to get out of here, even if she wasn't sure why. Call it intuition. Call it a gut instinct. Call it whatever you want. Emma was certain that she had to get the hell up out of here, like now. Like right now. The date on the whiteboard in her room. It was wrong. There was no actual way in hell that she had been here for the past three months. How long had she been here? How long had she been out of it for? Was that date even right, she thought to herself? More confused now than she had been since she woken up in this hospital room to start with. Emma was dressed now and ready to slip right out of the hospital unnoticed and under the radar. Just play it cool, Emma thought to herself as she opened the hospital room that she had just been inside of. She slipped down the hallway and into the elevator. As it closed in front of her, she thought, oh, thank God. She could hear the beeps of the floors dropping. And as the doors opened and Emma stepped out onto the main level of the hospital, was that? Surely not. It was shit, shit, shit. It's Dr. Rosenberg standing right in front of the door. Almost like she had been standing there just waiting for Emma. She had to at least try it. Emma held her head down and she walked briskly right by Dr. Rosenberg. Oof, I'm in the clear, Emma thought. Emma? Sweetie, you're not supposed to be out here. Emma could hear Dr. Rosenberg talking to her, but she hoped that if she just kept walking, maybe she would think she had the wrong girl. Emma, stop. You can't just leave. You've been voluntarily committed. You can't just... Thud. Emma hit the ground, and she could feel the weight of Dr. Rosenberg on top of her. Dr. Rosenberg had tackled Emma. 
This didn't seem like normal hospital behavior, no matter which county Emma had found herself in. No doctor would football tackle a patient, unless... Unless she was in on it, Emma thought, as she was helped up to the ground by a bystander. Emma's eyes slowly opened. The light, it was so bright. And she looked around. How did I get back in this goddamn hospital room, Emma thought. She hadn't remembered a thing aside from being football tackled in the parking lot. She didn't remember being walked up to her room. She didn't remember anything. But how? Or even better, why? Why couldn't she remember anything? We're going to have to administer something to keep you inside of the hospital room, Dr. Rosenberg said, with a much more stern voice than what she had been using before. Give me 50 cc's of hyperflex, she yelled to one of the staff members. Why was she taking that tone? And why was she looking at Emma like that? And why was she yelling, Emma thought. Emma hadn't been violent to anyone. She had simply just tried to walk out of the front door unnoticed. That's it. Emma could feel the cold fluids entering through her IV drip. It sent a chill through her entire body. Emma's arms started to tingle. And when she tried to lift them, they just wouldn't move. Now her legs, her legs were tingling, and she couldn't even flinch her legs now. Emma could still hear everything happening around her, and she could still see everything happening around her. She just couldn't move. Why couldn't she move? What had they given her? Emma could feel her heart racing, and with every pounding and defining thud of her heartbeat, she could feel her body letting go. No movement, just stillness. Yes, sir. We'll wipe her memory again. We've, we've got it under control. No worries. Emma could hear a familiar voice that Dr. Rosenberg was speaking to. She couldn't quite make out what they were saying, and she couldn't place where she knew the voice from. Absolutely. We'll wheel her back down to the negative third floor right now for a memory wipe. Emma couldn't move. She could hear this entire conversation happening, but she couldn't see who Dr. Rosenberg was talking to. She hadn't seen anyone else enter the room either. As the nurse wheeled Emma around the room to drive her hospital bed towards the door, Emma could see a familiar object hovering right outside the hospital window. She still couldn't place the voice, though. Or the craft. Why did the craft look so familiar? And wait, what did she say? A memory wipe. What the fuck is a memory wipe? Yes, sir, absolutely. It'll take about six and a half seconds to wipe her memory again, so, approximately three months human time, Dr. Rosenberg said, still standing at the window. What the fuck? Human time? I'm a human. So, what are they? And why do they seem so familiar? Emma still couldn't place it, and her heart was pounding, even though she knew that she had been able to recognize the craft, and even though she knew that she knew that voice. She couldn't figure out how she had been able to recognize it so easily. As her hospital bed was wheeled around to the door, she swiftly saw the aircraft hover away from the window. But the sky, it didn't look like any sky she'd ever seen. It was bright red, and too light of a color to be burgundy, but too dark to be salmon. And the clouds, the clouds were purple, but a beautiful purple, a purple she's never seen before. Where was she? And who are these supposed people? Emma rolled out of the hospital room and down the hallway. 
her heart still pounding and her body still stiff. She still felt tied down by whatever they had injected her with. Where were they going? Did they say the negative third floor? What is that? Where is that? As the elevator door shut, Emma's vision went completely black. Emma? Emma, sweetie, can you hear me? I'm Dr. Jane Rosenberg, and I'll be your doctor this afternoon. How many fingers am I holding up? Four? Okay, good. Lean up for me, hun. All right, take a deep breath in. Now back out. One more deep breath in. And back out. You've been admitted to St. Paul's Drug Rehab Facility. Someone brought you in for an assumed drug overdose. You were inside of a public high school library talking about some pretty incredulous things. You weren't looking so hot when we fixed you up. That voice. Emma knew that voice. But from where? Where was she? And she'd heard this spiel before. She knew she had. Or had she? So, when I heard that part, when I heard her segment, I scared the fuck out of Amanda. Because all I sent her was a statement that said, quite simply, that ending. Yo! (laughs) And she was like, did I do something wrong? And I was no. Yo! Like, Yo, Elizabeth, you, no, wait, wait, no, Amanda, what the fuck? I'm sorry. No, you, you, do not get, you do not get to apologize, Amanda. You told me you had never written a story before, Amanda, and then you came out and you wrote this fucking masterpiece. Explain yourself. Okay. <laughs> no seriously that was fucking great and I just want to know what was on your mind when I you haven't came no, up there's it. no other way I could that I could make it make sense for me mm-hmm. like I heard the aliens and the pubic hair and I was like this bitch is just tripping like that's all there is to it <laughs> she's so fucking hallucinating and then my husband was like or she was abducted by aliens and then somebody else was like or she's like doing some witchcraft shit I was like, no, this bitch is on drugs. No, she's not on drugs. They took her, but they, so I just, I just mushed them together. (laughs) And then I had to like research and I was like, how do they give people shit? So I researched activated charcoal (laughs) and how they would give it to you to get you off of drugs. (laughs) I was like, if anybody is holding my computer, like, we're probably going to take our kids. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how to stop a drug overdose? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's the only way I could make it make sense in my head for me to be able to close it. I I am so proud of you. <laughs> me too. Elizabeth, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Well, first of all, I got to say I'm very gratified because before I went rogue and started editing my own arts and literary journal, I was an English professor. So to hear from somebody that had never written before to just bust out of the gates like that with all of that writing, 
just warms my English professor heart and makes me feel like I can still pe- teach people how to write. Oh my God. <laughs> so I used to write a lot. In, it shows. In, it shows. I did, and then I had kids, but I never wrote for a reason. Just, well, just, just to write. <laughs> you, and here you've created like this absolutely creepy piece of psychological horror and sci-fi very twilight zone i love very that. twilight very. i agree do, 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 do. <laughs> i don't know if i was better at this whole podcasting thing i would have put some badass sound effects in there you know i need you to remember two things one how many episodes have you done now combined with uh murdering and uh murder mama uh, probably 40 or 50. You have done 40 or 50 more episodes than somebody who's just beginning. And I think you're doing amazing. Uh-huh. That's and I number still one. cannot work a laptop. Tell me how that makes sense. But with time, <laughs> let's say 60, it's going to click. And once it clicks, there's no looking back because you already have the magic in the podcast in your fingers. And in your voice, it's already there. Once you put everything together, it's a wrap. And I honestly do think that you should continue with the love of writing. Like, don't let this fall to the side again. Uh, yeah, allow me to point out, um, this is this is the current issue of Meat for Tea. I'm accepting submissions for the next issue. M-E-A-T-F-O-R-T-E-A dot com. Submit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and y'all all have tremendous gifts as far as writing goes. Hmm. So I would love to see anything, a free write, a, a diary, a, a, a actual story. Like, let's see where you can go with this. I told y'all anybody can write a story. Anybody can tell a story. Yep. And you literally just proved it, Amanda. Like you went from, a 30-minute segment to a 15-minute segment. And I'm honestly curious to hear what the 30-minute segment would have seen, what it would have been like. It was a whole hot mess. You say that now, but you said this was a hot mess, and look at how it turned out. It was, there was, it was like an action movie, but like 30 minutes long. I'm like, Dude. they can't fight aliens, no. Back up, delete, delete. delete. <laughs> Like, you, we're going to you, war, motherfucker. You tricked me earlier. You were like, I killed off Corbin and I'm reading your thing. And I'm like, all right, when do Elspeth and Corbin <laughs> yeah, come I in and get killed? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know how to. So I'm like, it's got to be who it is. But I wasn't sure. So I didn't give him a name. I'm just like, I know the voice. What is that? We'll, we'll, we'll leave him. But I don't know who he is. He's just there. Mm, I see that. Okay, that does make sense. Okay, so Corbin was one of the people in the background or Corbin was the computer. Oh, shit. Oh, let's uh, do a part two. Right, Jarvis. <laughs> right? Corbin stands for something. It's C-O-R-B-I-N. <laughs> computer operated recording bin in Nexus. Shit. Corbin. Let's write a book. Is she naked? Is she a virgin? <laughs> Click yes on Corbin. Click no on Corbin. 
Corbin, you're old. Like, Corbin, you still use MS-DOS. That's how Corbin's old. <laughs> He's just a computer trying to collect information. Exactly, and sputtering because Corbin's the oldest computer that we've seen in a long time. <laughs> Corbin is the computer library, uh, the the library computer. Like he's old, he still uses microfiche. <laughs> oh, I love this story. I'm so happy right now. Stu, what were your thoughts? I liked. I I, I really liked for somebody who's not, you know by Amanda's own admission, not a writer. I liked the exact repetition and when you get it of Dr. Rosenberg's line. Mm -hmm. The only thing that kind of like, I wanted it to, when it got to the end and we, it's all resolved, like, well, it's not, nothing's resolved, but that's the best (laughs) part. But I wanted it to be more ambiguous because I feel like it's still ambiguous, but it feels like, no, these are definitely aliens fucking with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I, if if you had left out the part about the seeing the sky, I think that oh, would have been so much better. Just, just like her, like, her not knowing. Yeah, it can't look like our sky though. <laughs> it, ha- it has to be different. I just, but I didn't want to know it was aliens. I wanted to be a question. You of, wanted is to she be just like, crazy? damn, is she crazy? Or- yes, yes. I love the is she crazy stories. <laughs> yeah. She's always crazy. But that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. I mean, I love the way you handled it. I love the, I, I didn't see that coming. And I love the ending in particular, just the the feeling of hopelessness, honestly, at the end was mm-hmm. better than I would have thought. Cause I would have given this a friggin' Harry Potter ending or something. They would like been shooting spells at each other or something. See, I, I would have never followed. <laughs> hey, what but, is um the quest thing? What is that? What do you mean? Hero's Quest? Yeah, what is that? Uh, That's a board game? Is it? No, it's just uh, like any any story that involves a hero going on a quest. Right. Basically, it's It's just a literary term. I looked it up and I was like, Mm. I don't don't know what that is. It's like a video game or something. And I was like, Hero's Quest is to figure out this box of pubes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's it's a literary term. (laughs) Okay. Amanda, just... To explain yeah. the motivation of the protagonist. Yeah, I'm like, it's gotta a be story. a video game. I'm not even gonna look into that. Frodo <laughs> had to go to Mount Doom and Emma had to go to the library. <laughs> and both are equally important. Um Yeah, so Elizabeth Herringer from beginning to end, I, I think what, a, a five out of five, a seven out of nine, a 12 out of 22, these numbers are getting worse. I should just stop. Um, <laughs> How about if I switch to letters, then I just give it an A. I will take that. I will I'm take gonna that. I'm going to give it an A. I would almost love to see this printed up and published as a little, like, little short story. All the parts together. Also, listen up, Netflix. <laughs> Coming to Netflix, the Pubic Chronicles. Paisley, what the Pubic Chronicles? Paisley, what are you? That's the what? perfect title name. What 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 do you think about it overall, Paisley? I love it, and yeah, it just. I mean, I love how it kind of ended up in this infinite loop, or you know what seems to be an infinite loop, and it's very twilight zone and it mm-hmm. is very eerie that you know it's like oh my god there it's like now she's trapped forever or is she will she ever get out you don't know that question mark in your mind kind of makes it just so much 
more ominous. Yeah, I love where it went. Yeah, I think I should have went with Stu and it I, just I, left it hanging. I, I, no, I like it was what, great the way you did no, it. I'm it just saying, perfect. like, that that's just my feelings on it. That's yeah, like, if, I feel if like that would have been like, hmm. No, if the, we the, hadn't the, seen the sky along yeah. with her and I'd have been like, so I would just be peppering you with questions right now, though. I'd be like, so is she crazy? Are they witches? Are they aliens? What's going on? Why don't you tell me? Tell me. And I would have tell zero answers for you. <laughs> and so all that does, Amanda, is that shows you how this story placed in the hands of two different storytellers would have delved off into their own parallel paths. That's all. Like I listened to uh what was it, Ant Gods? Mm-hmm. Boy, the that Dogecoin God. episode had me. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. How we get on Trump and Dogecoin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> if I can just talk about whatever, I can definitely do this. Yeah, good old Glenn from Nuzzle House. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I laughed the whole time. I was like. What the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, he asked me the same fuck question it. even a couple days ago. What the fuck was I talking about? Yeah, and I was like, I don't know, but it was hilarious. So, again, this is storytellers. The show that proves that anyone can tell a story. Um, and if you're interested in joining me for this, feel free to contact me on Twitter. My Twitter name is Ratchet Book Club. Um, the uh, show's um, email address is story storytellerspod at gmail.com but before we go any further into that um elizabeth tell them something about yourself tell them about uh your publications the floor is yours sure thanks also did they want to know what my three cards were oh i told them oh you told them okay i Mm -hmm. must have ducked out i told them at the beginning at the very beginning spoiler Mm -hmm. alert (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm Elizabeth McDuffie, founding editor of Meat for Tea, The Valley Review, M-E-A-T-F-O-R-T-E-A, and also editor of a chapbook press. There's our new book, Popcorn Icons, Poems Celebrating the Movies. Okay. And we also have a podcast, the Meat for Tea cast, which is the audio offshoot of the literary journal. So we've, we have chats with authors we've published and musicians who've played our release parties and artists and all sorts of interesting creative people. And that's just the Meet for Tea cast available pretty much everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. That- Stu, we're going to bypass you because it's ladies first. Um, <laughs> so Paisley... Tell them something about yourself. Tell them something about your show. The floor is yours. Uh, Thank you. So, yeah, I host uh, the Learn German Through Music podcast, which is coming up on its first year anniversary soon. Um, Elizabeth is going to be in an upcoming episode. And what I do is I take popular um, music songs in originally in the German language And I use them to teach vocabulary and, when possible, uh, something about uh, German history or uh, German culture. So So, whatever I can kind of glean from the song, that's what I teach in in each lesson. What episode is 99 Luft Balloons? 
Um, I'm debating whether to feature her or not. Um, Unfortunately, Nina said some pretty controversial anti-vaxxer stuff or at least borderline anti-vaxxer stuff during the pandemic. And I like to think of myself as a pretty liberal podcast. So I'm... Yeah. I'm really not sure if she will or will not get featured. Okay, <laughs> I'm still okay. Kind of okay. Debating on that or not. Okay, so what episode is the Kamazad? Don't oh, turn around. Uh-oh. <laughs> the Uh-oh. Who sang that again? I don't know. I don't remember who sang that, but yeah, um, basically most of the songs that I feature are are uh, at least 90% in German, except for we did a recent um, episode where the song was probably more about 80% Spanish and 20% German. Okay. But yeah, usually it's it's not going to be too many songs with a lot of English in them. So. so maybe not on Rock Me Amadeus. Possibly something else. We do have something else planned for Falco. I'm working with a couple from Austria who are really excited about trying to get a Falco episode. So I think Falco is coming, but I don't think it's going to be that particular song. Also, yeah, all of these German songs that I just Mm -hmm. said, ladies and gentlemen, all from the 80s. I don't know what the 80s was (laughs) about like German music making it to the United States. But all three of those came in like a two-year span. Mm-hmm. And the best one, in my opinion, was, oh, rock me Amadeus, Amadeus, Amadeus. I didn't even know who the fuck Amadeus was. I was like six. <laughs> I was like, I need to know more about this person. And that's how I got into music. The end. I nice. tell you, the German music's coming back, though. There's oh, a I can't couple wait. of Rammstein just toured the United States. Ooh. And I think... Uh, if you're not familiar yet with Electric Callboy, look them up. Okay. You will nice. not be disappointed. Okay. And uh, I cannot wait till they come here on tour. They actually had to cancel their tour this year because the lead singer Nico got uh, came down with COVID, which of course affected his voice. But uh, I think they'll be back soon. So. Electric um, Callboy, yeah. got him. Okay, yes. dokie, I, I just added them to my Spotify. Thank you. Yes, well, I encourage you to, uh, if you haven't heard them yet, um, to get the joke fully, watch a YouTube video. Okay, dokie. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they are they are an extremely funny and fun band, but I think it does help. They're definitely going to be different than anything you've ever heard before. It is in English. They sing almost in exclusively in English, but uh, yeah. They're different, and I think it's a wonderful different. Okay, dokie. Well, I am all in. I just found their complete playlist. Uh, like they yeah. made a they made a whole whole ass playlist on Spotify called Electric mm-hmm. Callboy Complete. So we'll mm-hmm. do that, and I will watch it on YouTube, and then we'll discuss it. Yeah, let me know what you think. I will <laughs> indeed, and maybe uh, film yourself reacting. There's a lot of reaction videos oh, on fun. YouTube, and there's. The only thing more fun than watching an electric callboy reaction video is watching electric callboy reacting to electric callboy reaction videos. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely look into it. Amanda, tell them something about yourself. Tell them about your show. The floor is yours. 
uh, I have a podcast. Don't make me do this. Don't don't make me do this. <laughs> so check it out, y'all. Boom, check it. No, so Amanda, take it away. So Amanda and her homegirl Lindley, they had this show together <laughs> called Murder Inc. Right? Do you not first of it? all, first of all, when I first heard the name of the show, I thought they were black. I just want to <laughs> put that out there. We're black in our soul. Don't get it twisted. Because Murder Inc. <laughs> is like Ja Rule and all them motherfuckers from rap music. So I thought Murder Inc. was going to be like a music podcast. And Mer- emerging my surprise when I found out it was two white ladies. From <laughs> two white bitches South, from the South. <laughs> from the South talking about crime, crime stories. And then so they were fucking funny. can I tell funny. you how we got up with that? Go for it. Okay, because I, one day, you can, I'll mark my words, it will happen. I will marry Eminem. Until then, <laughs> I'm just sticking it out with Casey, but until then. So I was like, huh. He definitely killed Ja Rule back in the day, like R.I.P. your boy. Yeah, he so did. we could definitely steal his name. We can. He don't have the money to sue us, you know. <laughs> like fuck. <laughs> so we just jacked it. So Murder Inc. was happening for a good what four to four to six months. Yeah, something like that. And then Lin Lee uh, had the nerve to get married. That bitch. And she mm-hmm. got married, and by getting married, she inherited uh, five, five more children mm-hmm. to love and, and mm. cherish, and everything. She's a wonderful young lady. Like I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this like I'm, I'm being as as jovial about it as possible. But she's a wonderful young lady, and and probably an excellent mother. Um, she's but with way all the extra, with all the bonus children, you know, the podcast took a backseat. So Amanda went ahead and I am literally mansplaining her show. So Amanda <laughs> went ahead and went solo um, and started her podcast. And now you go boom. Mama murdered a podcast. Uh, see, you were doing so good. I was. I'm really fucking good oh, at this. Well, on Murder, Inc., I talk like I normally talk. And there was a lot of people that were like, I just can't listen. There's You just say fuck way too many times. And, and I'm I'd like, be like, okay. fuck you. Yeah. Okay. Same. Yeah, because I was like, okay, so I just won't. I I don't think I've cussed one time, and I have to. That's it takes me hours to edit an hour long episode because I, I'm like, and then this bitch, and I'm like, nope, you can't say bitch in this. <laughs> you can <laughs> delete. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the here's the juxtaposition of your show that amused even, me. Lily so was like, it much. doesn't even sound like you. Like you're you put your mom voice on, and it's weird. Yeah, like, and you know a, when the school calls, and you're like, hello. And that's not really how you talk. That's so the here, whole podcast. Here's the amusing part of this <laughs> shit. You are censoring yourself on a crime drama podcast. Like you're talking about explicit murders all the fucking time and you don't fucking cuss. Where the fuck they do that at? There's just so many people and they're like, like there's this one guy like sent us a message and he was like, I've tallied the, the fucks in this episode and there's like 128 and I'm like, so fucking what? <laughs> we we're not gonna give you none because no fucks are given. Like fuck like, you, bro. Right? Like honestly, here's so I was the thing like, that okay, I found maybe out. everybody will be able to listen to this without bitching about something. Don't here's round the thing it that up I found out. These next two fucks. <laughs> <laughs> In my Curious, walk like. of podcasting over the years that I've been doing it, here's what I found out: people will tell you that you need to change something about a podcast that they won't even listen to. Mm-hmm. So once bullshit. you make those changes. 
Once you make those changes, they're still not going to listen, but then you lose people and you lose the essence of what made your show your show. And in doing that, you lose listeners. So you may as well keep the ride or dies who have been with you day one and be motherfucking you instead of trying to fit yourself into a box that wasn't made for you in the first place. Amen. Yeah. Hard yeah. agree. Where's I like I told somebody else when it comes to Kanye West, I don't agree with like 95 percent of the shit he's been saying recently. Same. The dude literally needs help. But one thing he said became my mantra from back in like 2000 and whatever, when he came out with his first couple albums, when he came out with Stronger, he said, and I quote, there's a thousand yous. There's only one of me. Why the fuck do you want to make yourself sound like that thousand when the one you is unique as fuck? Be you. So when you told me that your new podcast was PG-13, I was like, get the fuck out of my face. I know. It's weird. And I even me listening to it, I'm like, who is she? So, look, if you're going to do that bullshit, I'm going to call it like it is. Here's what you should do. Okay. <laughs> Make your podcast undeniably you. And then if you really want to, which why, but if you really want to make an edited version, make the edited version and either put it on your Patreon or else put it on YouTube. Yes. <clears throat> I totally agree. That way yes. you cover all bases. And if somebody wants to hear you talk clean, they got to pay you for that shit. Yeah. I feel because like that's your time and your labor. They should have to because I'm like... Nope, That's your time that, and your energy that you shit. are putting into this to fix it, to make it palatable for somebody else paying for that <laughs> shit, motherfucker. That's how this shit works. And, uh, you know, they're listening to crime drama, like you mentioned. <laughs> like, why are there it's such like, delicate flowers? Yeah, it's and like, it was you don't so have a tougher people. skin than that? <laughs> yeah, it was so many, and I was like, Jesus, maybe we do just cuss a lot. Like, I don't, maybe yeah. it's... Yeah, just, maybe we we're do so fucking used, cuss a lot. But you yeah. know what? You know I'm like, what? maybe we're just used to it and they're just like Maybe we do fucking cuss a lot, but you know what? You're emailing my show that you're listening to to tell me that you're that you're writing down how many times I cuss. You're listening to this shit, fam. You are engaged. Mm -hmm. You're listening. That's, so now when you stop cussing, they're like, oh, my job here is done. They move on to the next fucking podcast. They don't even like, listen I to the new that. show. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I can't the fuck out of that. No, nah, that fuck one. you, bro. Fuck you. You know what? My new motto is, fuck you, bro. This is my show. That's Mama it. murdered a podcast. If you don't let me cussing, fuck you, bro. I'm going I'm to quote that, and I'm going to put it in the beginning. Knock yourself the fuck out. If you want me to do the fucking intro for your shit, this shit involves motherfucking cussing. If you don't like me fucking cussing, you can fucking kiss my motherfucking ass. By the way, I also talk about murder, decapitation, child rape, and a lot of things that are going to be unpalatable to your motherfucking ears, so you should back the fuck up. But if you're only offended by the fucking cussing, then we got a goddamn problem already. By the way, this is Mama Murder the Podcast. So, yes. Epico comes out. <laughs> when this episode of Storytellers comes out, just take that part and cut it and make I'm that your fucking chop disclaimer. Chop it and just make it make the, that your the fucking disclaimer. disclaimer. You can even change my voice to make it deeper or whatever. Slow down the tempo. This shit is a motherfucking pot. <laughs> Do whatever the fuck you want. But there, there's your disclaimer right there. Because if somebody's listening to you, they're listening to you because they love what you do. They're not listening to you to try and figure out how to change you. Yeah. Even my mom's like, I can't listen. I love you. Okay, fuck sorry. it. Bye, mama. I, I'll see you at church. I'm a no. I, she ain't seen me at church, but um, <laughs> she gonna see me at church. Not me, Lord. <laughs> <laughs>
I think that should be the title. If you want to leave a voicemail, the telephone number is 916-633-1537. You can email the show again at storytellerspod at gmail.com. You can also uh, contact me on the Storytellers Twitter feed because, yes, there is one. The Storytellers Twitter feed is Storytailspin. That's T-A-L-E because we love the Disney cartoon, O-E-O. Um... (laughs) Yeah, fuck it. Like this, this show is just so fucking unique. Every fucking episode, and I'm so fucking fired up. But what the fuck you just said, Amanda? Like now I can't fucking stop cussing. What the fuck, bro? Who the fuck does that? Like somebody, somebody emailed my show and was like, "Your show's too fucking long." This is when I did my original podcast, single simulcast. So what I did was I tried to cut my shit from one episode that was two and a half hours long. I tried to cut that shit into three parts. Part one will come out on Monday. Part two will come out on Wednesday. And part three will come out on Friday. Fuck that shit, bro. People would literally, here's what would happen. I would put out Monday's episode. People would forget to listen on Wednesday and they would listen on Friday and wonder what the fuck they missed. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Don't change yourself because when you change yourself for somebody else, you're going to lose a, p- a piece of yourself. I I cannot tell it uh, straighter than that. We swear oh. all the time on the Meat for Tea cast. Should should I I should eat all these and we swear in two languages on my class. <laughs> <laughs> Shiza. 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 Fepistiche. Right. No, so you don't delete those episodes. You keep yeah, them that's... as a memory of the time that you fucking listen to somebody else who you shouldn't have been fucking listening to. And then you Can go right back to the, the fuck you are. To be like R.I.P. to my mom voice. Nope. Maybe your next episode will be R.I.P. to my mom voice. And you tell them straight out, look, I, I fucking cuss. And you know what? Honestly, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. People can fucking tell that you're cutting out the cussing because when you cut out the cussing, it's like cutting out ums, the editing. So on Twitter, Amanda and I were talking on Twitter and I told her that my editing takes like 10 minutes tops. And you wonder how I fucking make I'm it 10 like, minutes tops? I'm like, fucking how? I don't <laughs> cut shit out. Unless it's a huge egregious mistake, I don't cut shit out. It is me having a conversation with listeners. Listeners want you to have a full conversation with them. They want to feel like they're a part of your world. Holy your shit. world so you're is gonna leave all this in. Le- I'm a, this, <laughs> all this shit's gonna be in storytellers. And the people who want to listen will listen. The people who don't, fuck it. The people that don't have been out of this bitch. But fuck <laughs> it. We're done. But fuck it. It's all right. They got out at the first pubic hair mention. Right? They're like, like, okay, I'm bailing. Oily pubic hair. I cleared the room for y'all. But the thing is, the people who want to fuck with you will fuck with you regardless of the situation. They will not chastise you for who you are. They will not try and change you into something that they want you to be. They will just walk with you on the path that you're on and enjoy the opportunity to walk beside you. I mean, honestly, Derek, what I really like about your podcast is you do get to hear all the conversation Mm -hmm. that arises and just the natural flow of it. Mm -hmm. It makes it fun. One thing when I for Ratchet Book Club. And again, if y'all are going to bow out, bow out. Like, thank you so much for listening. You know where the Patreon is, all that kind of shit. Check me out. Holla at your boy. I'll have the links for everybody else. I just don't want you to make me cry again on that show. <laughs> That's what the fuck I was going to say. I was fucking furious when I, I said, was bro- wrecked. 
I was furious when I read Bridge of Terabithia because nobody told me that kid fucking died. It's so sad. That is the saddest <laughs> YA book ever. I almost had to pull over to the side of the road. I was driving and I started. So just, sad. I tears <laughs> were just pouring out of my Not eyes. bubble tears. Like, why the fuck did somebody recommended this book to me? So a friend of and mine. It wasn't the book. Which, it was your reaction. It? it was your honest reaction. Nobody, because like, nobody hey. fucking told me she died. There's there's a movie about it too. I never you know? watched the movie. I never read the book. I didn't fucking know. I didn't. I thought I thought Bridge of Terabithia was all about an imaginary world with two friends and a dog. And I was like, fucking yes. And then I read it, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like it's so sad. And then and then and then it wasn't just that 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 she fucking died. Or it, it was the fact that his family is so fucking horrible. You know what? I said too much. Check it out on Ratchet Book Club. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for being here. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. for storytellers was provided by Revolution Void and it's called Someone Else's Memories. You can find it at the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know about now, just listen.